Okay, hello, welcome, bienvenue, konnichiwa, jambo, ni hao, um. <laughs> marhaba, <laughs> any more? Bonjour. 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 Uh, it's time for the Armist Inquisition, yet again, episode 191 on Sunday, the 4th of July. Yeah. The day those filthy colonials <laughs> threw, threw off the yoke of the great British Empire. <laughs> Yeah. And, and look what it got them. I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just world domination yeah. <laughs> for, you know, a couple of hundred years. Anyway, uh, I'm Amish Phil. I'm Amish Ben. And I'm Amish Matt. And uh, we've got two guests for the price of one tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Simon Shack and Patrick Holmquist here to tell us about the Tychos model of the uh, solar system. How are we doing, chaps? Doing very well, thank you. Um, nice, nice to be with you tonight. Great to yes. have you. Mm. Yeah, doing just fine from uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. Oh, very good. And uh, from uh, Rome, Italy, mm. the eternal city. Yeah, well, this is truly... Actually, actually in the countryside, outside Rome. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I would, uh, you know, I've never visited Rome, and I don't know why, because I'm just obsessed with the history and uh, the Roman Empire and stuff, so... Uh, you should never meet your idols, maybe that's it. <laughs> My idol, <laughs> Augustus, in the flesh. You're gonna have to take us on there. You're gonna have to take us on the tour, Simon. When I finally make it over there. Oh, you have to come. I I, I can host you all, all three. All three of you. I have a you know an old house, but it's you know pretty large. You can always find a bed. You were. Uh, you and, might. You might regret I'm, saying that. No, I'm used to that. I've been inviting scores of people uh, over the years from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, through my different research uh, endeavors, I've uh, invited people that really I wanted to meet. So you are invited. Oh, Absolutely. Thank you. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so, invited. Um, we're ready to have our, our paradigm shattered <laughs> because, yes. you know, we like new ideas, alternative explanations for the phenomena we find around us. Uh, yeah. And this is why, you know, this uh, Tychos model that, uh, primarily, primarily you've developed um, Simon, but Patrick has um, been helping you with the software and the uh, the program, which we'll see a little later on. Yes, exactly. I, I'll just tell you shortly the story. I mean, I, I was finishing my manuscript of the book, and and by chance, I would, uh, right at the time, I was. I was actually looking here in Italy for someone who could help me make uh, some kind of um, simulation, simulator, in a digital uh, interactive uh, planetarium. But then I was right in those days. As I finished my manuscript, I was invited to Sweden uh, to present another uh, research of mine, which we won't go into here. But uh, when I got there, I was uh, hosted by Patrick in his house. 
you know, he was a guy who, who had, you know, an available guest room, uh, basically. And, um, and I to- started talking with him about my ongoing astronomy research. And uh, he, even initially, Patrick, I think you remember you were a bit skeptical. Uh, yeah, this is cr- why is he talking about this? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I and, and I could fully appreciate that because you know I had just been sitting here like crazy for a few years, uh, like, like already. Well, at that time, maybe three or four years. Um, uh, working on my model, and and Patrick was the first guy I really showed the manuscript to, and he said, uh, "Well, yeah, well, okay, but maybe 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 some maybe I could help you later on." He he mailed me and said, "Yeah, well, I honestly I I brushed oh, it off at the time, but yeah. but I I got your manuscript, and I I I, I told myself, I I, I mean I I thought." This this can't be it. I mean, I know your other research uh, is correct, but this this was just too much. But mm. but then I went on vacation and I, I I had your manuscript in my in my tablet, so I started reading it and I understood that even though I didn't, you know, think it was correct i i understand that i can't uh i can't refute this i can't falsify this so it may but and then and how can i do this or can I, how, yeah well i i can help you out uh because mm-hmm. i wanted to find myself i can help you out with the with the with the um, uh, computer modeling and so if i do that i will uh, i will help you and i would uh, find out for myself if it uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if it works and uh, now, a couple of years later, uh, I'm very convinced. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was absolutely amazing to me. Maybe one one of the highest, you know, highlights of all this research was when Patrick sent me his first installment, his first uh, version of. Uh, of this uh, simulator, the, the Tychosium, which is actually a planetarium, which shows how the whole system works. Because I'd, I'd only been imagining it, you know, in my mind and writing stuff about it and calculating. But I, I, I was, of course, eager to, but very nervous to try it out, to make it work, actually. Uh, uh, how, how would you say? I mean, physically, because it's a f- <laughs> even if it's a digital planetarium, it's a physical thing, and you have things moving around, and they have to move uh, as uh, as I was predicting. And the first uh, version was really... Uh, immediately, it looked like it was working. I mean, the, the main thing was the um, the movements of Mars, because Mars, let's start with, let me, let me now just do a very short historical um, uh, little overview of, of what, who Tycho Brahe was. Tycho Brahe, Tycho Brahe, I've been basing my model on Tycho Brahe's model, which was a very, very important model in the 16th century. It was actually for 100 years uh, accepted as the best model over over the Copernican, the Copernican wasn't immediately accepted. Very few people know that, but for hundred years, Tycho, Tycho Brahe's model was the accepted one in Europe, because Tycho Brahe was a Danish nobleman, astronomer, 
who was a friend of the king, and the king gave him all the money he, he, he wished for. He built a castle with an incredible observatory uh, you know, facilities. He, he made his own instruments, amazing uh, armillaries to, to, measure, to measure the distances between the planets in the sky, which is much more important than having just a telescope to point in one, one dot, right? He, he was looking at the big picture. So Tycho Brahe is universally recognized as the best astron- observational astronomers, astronomer of all times, right. still today. But Tycho Brahe, no one knows him. <laughs> Almost no one has heard of him. Have you, have you heard of him? Have you, heard, have you guys heard of him? Not before um, seeing your emails in the uh, Amish Inquisition Gmail account, no. Yeah, everyone everyone goes to uh, Bruno, Galileo, uh, Kepler, mm. and uh, and Brahe's um, overlooked. Exactly, and Kepler. You mentioned Kepler. Mm. You know who Kepler was? He was just he was just a little mathematician who was invited by Brahe to his <laughs> castle, yeah. or actually to Prague when he was he was kicked out of Denmark at one stage. He had to leave his castle, and he met Kepler in Prague. Because he became the royal astronomer in Prague, and and this Kepler, who was a really really weird guy, very very strange guy, uh, he he was you know half the years of Tycho. He was a, he was a kid. He was twenty five and twenty six or something when they met. And uh, so Brian just was he was kind of impressed with his mathematical skills. So he said, uh, "I give you the um, I, I I give you my observations of Mars." Because they are the most problematic. And he said, oh, yes, sure. Kepler said, yeah, I'm going to solve this in eight days. But it took him five years <laughs> to finish his papers on Mars. He, was, he struggled with Mars, the, the motions of Mars, for five years. He was becoming mad. I mean, there is so much literature and there are so many uh, things you can read about. He, he wrote a lot to his fellow you know researchers around the world to say how he he was going crazy mm-hmm. because mars wouldn't fit into the model in into his idea now please understand that kepler was a copernican he believed in in the copernican idea that we the earth is going around the sun and he wanted to make that work so he was like a traitor in in tycho Brahe's house wow. he was he, from the, from from the word go he, he, but but Brian didn't really care about that. He said, "Yeah, Copernicus is is a good guy, but you know my model is is, is better." And what was Tycho Tycho Brahe's model about? Let's go straight to that thing. Yep. Tycho models Tycho Brahe's model had the Sun circling around Earth and Mars circling as well around Earth, but intersecting with the Sun. So the, the orbits of the Sun and Mars intersected. And all his peers at the time laughed at him because he, they, was, they were saying, well, if they intersect, they must be, you know, sooner or later they will crash into each other. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do you, do you understand two intersecting orbits? I mean, I'm, I'm t- I mean, you know that because you know the Tychosian, but our listeners may be not understanding what I'm saying now. Yeah. But um, the, the orbits of Earth and... Uh, no, the orbits of... Sorry. The orbits of the Sun and Mars intersect. In I, I could do a screen yeah. share here yeah. of the models, it. so it's easier. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's start and uh, yeah. get an idea of what it looks like. Let's see. 
Is it on screen? <coughs> guys? Yep. It is, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> this is what Simon's talking about. You have uh, here we have the sun mm-hmm. and we have the orbit of the sun and Mars intersecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Across each other. The yep. sun is a yellow one and Mars is a red the furthest one yeah, out, the, the tiny orbit. one, yeah. Yeah, and um, around the sun we have two objects, which are Mercury and Venus. Mm-hmm. Mercury and Venus are the moons of the sun. I call them, in my book, I just call them the moons of the sun, because they are moons. Mm-hmm. Why are they moons? Because they are tidally locked. They show the same side. To anyone who stays on the sun, they will see the same side of Mercury and Venus mm-hmm. all the time, just like we see the moon. So it's wrong to call them planets. We should call them moons. The moons of the sun are Venus and Mercury. And and it makes absolute sense. And it actually explains one of the big mysteries that astronomers are still, uh, uh, have still not solved. Why, why do Mercury and Venus not have any moons? All the other planets have moons, many moons. Jupiter has like 70 moons or 80, and, and, and Saturn has uh, 90 moons. And all, all planets have moons, but Mercury and Venus. Well, my answer is they have no moons because they are moons. <laughs> and they're, they're, no one has ever observed in our skies a moon that has a moon. Okay? Mm-hmm. No, moons, no moons have moons of their own because they are already moons. So that explains one big thing. <laughs> straight away but now let's look at where the earth is placed the earth is placed in <clears throat> in what could very well be the barycenter even though Mars is much smaller than the sun mm-hmm. but but think about a very very important thing we don't know exactly how, how we know that the sun is bigger than Mars in size but the sun we know well we think we know at least that it's basically gases, it's made of uh, hydrogen and helium, the two lightest gases we know of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they're burning uh, molecules of, of, of uh, helium and, and hydrogen. So the sun might be much lighter than we, we, we imagine, whereas Mars is made of rock and iron, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we accept that these things are, are true, we might even say that even though they are very different in size, they might weigh the same amount of kilos or pounds, you know? Mm-hmm. So just to get these things straight. But uh, but very quickly on, on, on this thought, I, I want to tell you immediately that what really started me on this research when I when I when I when I got away from you know I was very very timid in the beginning. I didn't know exactly should I go forward with this research. What can I you know add to this uh, um, Tycho Brahe system and, and explain it? Well, I decided to look at the star Sirius. You know Sirius. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a bright, it's the brightest star in our skies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know that in very late, very you know, not very long ago, they they found that Sirius had a companion. Sirius C- B, yeah, Sirius B, but no one knew that, and Tycho Brahe didn't know that either in the 16th century. He had no idea that that existed, that binary stars existed. 
Mm. And the binary star is just uh, it just means that a star has a companion, like a husband and wife. Mm. And 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 the smaller one is can be very, very much smaller than a big one. Right. So Sirius B is a lot smaller than Sirius A, is it? A lot smaller. They call it the pop, you know, the puppy. They call it astronomers. <laughs> right. It's that small. And and that was a big problem when they found Sirius B for Newton's theory, because he you know, if that little thing was was circling and intersecting orbits with its main star, it it should have been sucked up immediately, you know, in in, in, in Newton's theory. So what did they come up with? Well they said, well, Sirius B must be there must be some you know, it must be 400,000 times more, there must be 400,000 times more gravity on Sirius B than on Earth. You know, it must be really heavy. The atoms must be so packed together that everything on Sirius B weighs 400,000 times more than on Earth. That's how they got out of the, <laughs> of the quandary of the problem. They had a big problem with Sirius B. So they established that Sirius B, they established, they, they came up with an ad hoc explanation that Sirius B must be extremely dense and packed with, you know, and that's why it is so heavy that it can go around this huge Sirius A, okay? So I just went to Wikipedia at the time to see what is the diameter that they reckon Sirius B is and what is the diameter of Sirius A? Mm. And do you know what I found? The proportion between Sirius B and Sirius A is practically identical to Mars and the Sun. Right. Mars is 0.48% the size of the Sun, and Sirius B is 0.48% the size of uh, Sirius A. 0.5, if you like, to make it simpler. Both are 0.5% of their big mother, Okay. That's quite a coincidence. Is, That's quite it? a coincidence. I mean, and Sirius is, you know, the it's not the closest star. It's the fifth closest, but it's, it's the biggest we have. Mm. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a very important star. And, and then please understand now that in the latest 20 years, they have found that almost all the stars have a companion. Almost... All this, I, I'm, I'm sure that 100% are, are binary, but they are saying officially already that 90% are binary. Wow. And they say, yeah, they're saying that some others we haven't, but the others, they just haven't found, the, 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 probably because they haven't found a small companion because they're too small sometimes. Right, yeah, and yeah, and the relationship between the small star and the big star makes it, you know, if that ratio is even greater, it makes it harder to detect, I guess, because... Yes, and get this, get this, our closest star, Proxima Centauri, they discovered in 2016 that it had a companion. Right. You know, yesterday they discovered it, and our next closest star, or... or second or third closest, the Barnard star. Barnard star is a very fast-moving star. They discovered in 2018 that it had a companion. So you can imagine that that's why they say only 90% are, because they, many others haven't been detected with, with the best telescopes we have. So I'm saying very, very confidently that all stars are binary, which makes it impossible I mean, statistically, that our sun is the only bachelor in the whole universe. <laughs> mm. Okay? 
<laughs> it makes it statistically absurd, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> just to 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 frame it, uh, Simon. I mean, the, the the claim you make with your model is that uh, Tycho in the in the seventeenth um, uh, century yeah. was almost right with his model. Yes, and I mean that's that's what's uh, and and <clears throat> I think a very interesting and compelling thing with with uh, Tycho's model uh, as opposed to the to the heliocentric model is also that it has what I will would call uh, physically physically plausible motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this model only uses circular constant speed orbits, and the heliocentric model uses elliptical varying speed orbits. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I mean, uh, if if you do, I mean, you have a certain degree of freedom then. So, so I mean, the ellipses are are squeezed and the speeds are adjusted. So. <laughs> So it's observationally correct. Exactly. And right. it was Kepler's fault. Right. So you, yeah, you, yeah, well, well yeah, please, no. l- just let me finish here. And, <laughs> and the thing is that uh, circular constant news. speed orbit, yeah. that's something that's experimentally reproducible. We can just have yeah. a magnet orbiting. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can reproduce this, but you can't really reproduce... Uh, the kind of orbits uh, mm. uh, that that they claim uh, occurs in the heliocentric model, uh, not not in a lab experimentally. But I mean, and and <clears throat> also as you've been uh, explaining here, uh, I mean, as as we observe and find out more things about our surroundings, a very common reasoning is uh, as below, so above. We are seeing now that we have binary systems all around us. Yep. And a binary system, assuming we wouldn't be able to, to uh, see uh, the center object, w- would look just uh, like a system. Uh, I mean, th- that is what, what uh, Simon uh, proposes, suggests mm. uh, that uh, the solar system is a binary system just like any other system. Yep. And this is how it would look. But I mean, and and the key piece, I mean, the key piece you add to this as well, uh, Simon, <laughs> is your discovery and 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 um, uh, claim of the PVP orbit. Yes, that Earth is in the barycenter of the system, but Earth is also moving very very slowly. Yes. in an orbit. Yes. And what's so amazing with that is that when that is assumed, every observation we see around us, and uh, uh, particularly the precession, the stars slowly shift, very slowly. And this is explained by this simple second motion of Earth, because then we will only have two motions of Earth. We have ah, right. a moth, uh, uh, an Earth that's um, uh, circulating every, uh, rotating every 24 hours, and it's moving slowly 
in its PVP orbit. Clockwise. Yeah, clockwise. And and so let me, this is still let me. visible. I, I I can show if no, no, keep it. Keep if this, it this is way, uh, I, I mean this explain, is the year. I want to. I wish to explain to the viewers. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go the ahead. basics now. Just keep it straight and not make yeah. don't make it elliptic. Make it uh, yeah flats. You know the. Like, there we exactly, go. like this. From above. As you can see, all the orbits are perfectly circular, which was what all, for thousands of years all astronomers were trying to make uh, come to a conclusion that because they naturally thought that those things going around us go in circles. But it, it didn't match with, finally, with the, 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 the better the observations got, they had problems with that. It didn't really match the observations. But here, this is the first, what you're looking at is the first ever uh, planetarium uh, that, that shows that it can be so, that all the planets have circular orbits and they go at the same speed. Now, I want to go back, get back to my <laughs> beloved Kepler, because he was such a, he was such a dece deceiver. He... He worked for five years uh, at in, in Tycho Brahe's uh, house or castle, and he he didn't he, he didn't I mean he, he he called it his war on Mars. He, he got totally desperate because the more he calculated, uh, um, the more he tried to make Tycho Brahe his master's observations match with his maths, it didn't work. So what did he come come up with eventually? He came up with two variables. Oh, Mars must be accelerating and decelerating along its orbit. Mm -hmm. Number two, the orbit must be elliptical, not circular. And so he, yeah, and then it matched with uh, his master's observations. And he became world famous. Everyone knows Kepler, no one knows Tycho Brahe. But Tycho Brahe had made the correct observations. Okay, so he made that fit. And 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 if you remember what you saw in school, they they told you that the sun is in the middle and everyone is going around like a merry go round around the sun. It looks very nice, very elegant, very elegant. If you know, if you will, it, it's a nice uh, you know, it's a nice story. Yeah, sun in the middle and everyone going around like uh, you know in a children's playground. Well, it's not that that it's not it's not that um, simple. Uh, it's elegant, of course, but uh, it is just a bit more complicated. But not so much. It's see as you're looking now at the um, sun. The sun is going around the Earth, and Mars, its companion. The companion, which is circling around a circling object like the sun, will eventually do this kind of pattern. It will do a trochoid. The trochoid will make it at some stage, um, as views from Earth, we will now see, look at Mars now. Look at Mars, the red dot, mm -hmm. yeah. reddish-white. Now it, it will look from us, from Earth, to be stopping in its, in its uh, you know, motion, it's now slowly stopping and then going backwards. And that's what we observe. Retrograde. Now, now, it's, now it's a retrograde. It, and it lasts uh, on average for 72 days. For 72 days, it will go backwards. That's, it's, it does that. It does that physically. Yeah. 
it's not an illusion because they they get got away with the the the, the fact that it was an illusion because they, th- they said yeah that's because earth is passing in the inside lane mars so that's like a horse passing another horse and you know the impression will be that it goes backwards yeah but no 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 it's much in fact, it's much simpler <laughs> in this way because, and it's also more accurate because the exact places where Mars is, they, they are exact. They are exactly as are observed. I must emphasize this. The Tychosium, this, this model you're now seeing, the interactive Tychosium 3D is already at a level of precision that is quite, I mean, really, really, really very, very accurate with all observations made in hundreds of years by uh, hundreds of astronomers. I mean, all the tables, it respects all. You can ask, uh, where is Mars in 1999, uh, 1st of February? There it is, bang, okay? All the time. I mean, I mean, we've been checking this for years now because my book came out three years ago. So I've been, you know, double, triple checking Tychosome millions of times, and I've even found, you know, old scriptures uh, where, uh, when, uh, you know, Mars was in a place in an important time in ancient history, and there it is, exactly where they told us. Right. So, so anyone can can go on the on the program and and wind the clock back to a, a famous yes. conjunction and and see it line up. Precisely, exactly. and exactly. and you can also check uh, the astronomical positions here on every object. Uh, here we have, for example, Mars uh, and uh, every planet, and and you can compare. I mean, here uh, up here you have the the date and time. And you can just pause, and you can see yeah, at, at this, what is it, two thousand and eight in May. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have this position of Mars, and you, and you com- can compare that with, uh, say, Stellarium or, or any <laughs> planetarium, and it, it it checks out. And you and you also have the other moons. Uh, you can put the other moons in, can't you? Like Phobos and Jupiter's moons and whatnot. No, we don't have. Uh, oh, yeah. We don't have the Jupiter's moon. We have uh, the Mars moons. Oh, right. uh, I think we have. Uh, yeah. We haven't gone that. We haven't come that far yet uh, to have the, all the moons. I mean, yeah. I should, I should so say around Jupiter. I should say we've got it sort of zoomed in here, haven't we, Patrick? If you zoom out, you will find the the outer planets, yeah. the gas giants. Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah. Well. And I, I think it could be interesting as well if I, I start the simulation again to see how this, uh, what this model sh- suggests, and if we increase the speed, we will see it very you clearly. Run, that you should run it as you there. see both the inner planets and uh, the outer planets are, so to speak, attached to the sun. They are following uh, the sun while the sun orbits Earth. So the sun is a, still a very important thing. It's a, it's a central magnet of the whole system. It's a, it's a magnetic system. Everything is there. These are magnets. And by the way, that's what Kepler believed. He said that they, they were magnets. But then came Newton and he said, well, gravity, and, and he said, oh, I'm turning things around. But they are magnets, obviously. I mean, that's one of the questions that strikes me just looking at this, is, is why doesn't the sun pull in Earth and Mars and... And whatnot. It's like uh, how does how do you how does this equilibrium exist? 
Well, the equilibrium, I mean, if you read my book, you will see that at one stage I discovered another funny thing. The moon, our moon, has a period, okay, 29.22 days. That's the most precise average period of the moon in which it returns to facing the sun. It's called the, um, the synodic period. And that's the period that the Maya people knew about, 29.22. If you multiply 29.22 by 4, you get Mercury's period, exactly, 116.88. If you multiply it by 20, you get uh, Venus' period. If you multiply it by 25, you get Mars' period. By 150, Jupiter. And so 375, Saturn. The moon is the central axis of all our system. Our little moon is that important. Why would it be that important if we were just, you know, the third planet out circling around the sun? You know, the third lane, just one of other planets. Why would the moon <laughs> communicate with all the other planets as if it were the central drive shaft? The moon, our moon, is its central drive shaft for some reason. But you can see it, it's it's working here. Uh, we are looking at it. Um, you can enlarge a bit, maybe now to to this. Yeah, to, to see uh, the moon. Yeah, sure. And uh, I mean, this also. I mean, here, what you have here is is uh, Saturn and Jupiter, and this also would explain the retrograde retrogrades of those planets as physical. They yeah. are actually occurring. Uh, because uh, super, Jupiter and Saturn is, is uh, orbiting the sun while the sun is, is uh, orbiting. I know it looks strange at first. It looks strange. Mm. Why would they do these loops, loopy doopy loopy loop? <laughs> but it is the it works. It is the only way. Also, um, what the um, what the what the Tychosum can claim is that it is the only simulator that agrees with the alignments between the planets and the stars. And how can I say that? Shall I explain this? Because this is one of the most important parts of the whole thing. Absolutely. Uh, okay, let's take Mars. You know, <laughs> Mars is, was really the problem that Kepler couldn't, you know, solve. He was desperate. Mars does a really funny thing. Mars returns, if you, let's say that you want to monitor Mars for many years, you're a very patient guy, you, know, you, you look at Mars one day, and you choose a star that Mars passes in front, okay? You choose one star. Okay, let's call the star Deneb, okay? You choose a star Deneb, and you start from there, and you wait. When will Mars return in front of star Deneb? It will take 707 days, more or less. Two, three days, more or less. Okay, seven oh seven on average. Once again, seven oh seven. Once and for seven times, you will have to wait seven oh seven days to see Mars returning in front of that star. But the eighth time, to complete the fifteen-year cycle of Mars, the eighth time, it will take only five hundred forty-six days. <laughs> Mars will return in front of Deneb the eighth time. In 40, 546 instead of 707. <laughs> Jesus Christ, how could that happen in the Copernican <laughs> version? You know? That's it. That's it. <laughs> if we are going just on two lanes, you know, we are on the third and Mars on the fourth, this was, could not happen. But you know how, how they made it work? 
kind of kind of work in the Copernican system. Right. Well, what happens is that this the shortest this short um, uh, ESI we call it uh, the empirical sidereal interval, which is 546 days. That happens when Earth is on the one side and then on the other side of its orbit, supposed orbit around the sun. So, <laughs> yes, but if we have moved 300 million kilometers, in, uh, because that's the width of uh, the supposed orbit of uh, Earth around the sun, if we have moved laterally by 300 million kilometers, how can Mars face the same star? Uh, I mean, please understand. It's as, it's as if you, you know... You put your finger in front of your face and, and then you move and you look at a distant tree and you move for, um, you know, one kilometer. Will your finger be in front of that tree? No, no, it won't be aligned with the tree, right? Mm. But here we are talking about three and a million kilometers <laughs> and still that, that happens in, in reality. So so that's uh, when, um, when Patrick sent me the first version of the Tychosium, which was still in its first stages of development. But already, uh, the first thing I checked was if Mars would do this very funny cycle. That is, seven times 707 days, and the eighth time, 546. Yeah. Well, can you imagine? I fell off my chair when it actually happened. The Tychosium shows this. You can check it out for yourself. It worked. It is because in 15 years, which is a 15 years, is a cycle where Mars returns to the same place in the sky. So it's a very famous cycle of Mars. In this 15 year cycle, the last loop of that cycle closes before because it doesn't reconjunct, you know, at the same place because it's a spirographic thing. Oh yeah! Now you're showing the the first. Uh, yeah, I'm showing first. the old one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to to try to explain, maybe you, you should go back to the yeah. new yeah. one, and uh, because what is this uh, very short uh, 546 uh, cycle? It's just that that's the the only time where uh, Mars misses its uh, retrograde. So. You know, it will get back on the same line of sight to that star. Let's see if we can explain it. Yeah, if we maybe you can go faster. You can yeah, go it's faster. In there. Yeah. Hmm? All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tell me when to stop. Uh, yeah, it's hard even for me. But it, it's uh, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. There's, there's a point where you you can. Um, uh, well, it's in the book. I, I've I've done an example to show exactly. <coughs> I, I actually, <coughs> you know, over, overlaid those eight eight periods, seven times seven oh seven and one times forty five. I have overlaid them, and you can draw a line to one star, and we would the Mars will always return on that exact line of sight. It, it's hard to show here right now. From yeah, like. Yeah. But you can see the uh, Mars is always, you know, doing those loops. And uh, there is a little um, gap. Well, now we, we don't see all of them for some reason because the, the, the program doesn't Maybe. remember 
a couple of them, but uh, two of them are closer to each other, and, and so. So that's anyway, the shorter interval, the five hundred and uh, whatever. The, the 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 famous short AC ESI, wow. and and you know. That was um, something I read in a, in, a, in a paper of very, very, very uh, academic uh, astronomers. They had studied uh, the Maya numbers, and and they were talking about this short S ESI. But the article, this academic article, doesn't end with any conclusion. They just say, yeah, the Maya knew that Mars had a strange, much shorter period, but they they just end there and don't make any, you know, it should have, you know, only that paper should have destroyed the Copernican uh, model. Yeah, it seems like all these ancient civilizations uh, generally had a a geocentric model. And then um, when Kepler comes along, it was interesting how how he talked about the eclipses, the ecliptical orbits and the varying speeds. It sounds as if, They've predetermined what the model's going to be, and then just tweak the maths to make it fit. Yes, yes, it's an ad hoc type of of, of procedure. It's it's what what science doesn't want to be. I mean, it's exactly the opposite of science. You, you can't just you know adapt. You know, uh, if something doesn't work for you, you have an idea. You can't just say, "Well, maybe I can uh, when I can accelerate that thing and and slow it down, so it, then it fits into my model." That's mm. what Kepler did. And even more, even more um, damning is that the guy who finally translated in 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 recent years, in the eighties, nineteen eighties, the guy who translated Kepler's book, the famous Astronomia Nova, he even he even showed that Kepler uh, uh, he 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 fumb- he. Um, he um, he lied. I mean, he uh, he fumbled his data. He uh, he made it look like in the beginning of the book he has some numbers, and then at the end of the book he changes those numbers. He uh, he he deceived us. So Kepler, who is so famous, is to me uh, a, a complete clown. He is uh-huh. the biggest clown of astronomy, <laughs> and I can say that. Yeah. Okay. Simon, on, without ellipses, and, and this is all based on circular orbits, I, I, I'm sort of gathering, how, um, how, are, how is seasonality explained and, and equinoxes and things? Everything is explained with the seasons. It's, it's, there's no problem with that. The, the seasons are explained because Earth is tilted. Now you can show it uh, laterally. Uh, yeah, I, I can, because... I mean, in this model, it's it's. Show them. The June. Earth uh, has its tilt, and yeah. June and December. Uh, Just show them June and December. You know, because in June, okay, Earth is tilted by twenty-three degrees approximately. Let me ask so the reason. You, you can go to June now. Put yeah, something. And when when the sun is on on one side and we are tilted towards the sun, uh, we have summer. And when we are tilted away from the sun, we have a winter. That, that's that's very easy. Oh, so that that tilt is maintained in this model, then? Uh, it's oh, just, yeah, it, it was yeah, yes, yes, of course. I mean, I'm. There are many things that I maintain. You know, I'm not like you. You know. The, 
trying to to make fools of all astronomers. There are some things that I maintained, like the distances between the planets, our right. planets, but not with the stars. We'll get to that later. But I don't accept the distances to the stars. Mm-hmm. And I will explain why. I will explain why. The stars are much, much closer than believed. So, I mean, here, here we have uh, Earth uh, in, in June. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's leading towards yeah. the sun. So the northern hemisphere will be yeah. hotter, of course. Yeah, and then if we go to uh, December, then we have winter because yeah. the Earth is leaning Yeah, so the tilt, uh, maintaining the tilt takes care of seasonality and uh, like the land of the midnight sun and and all all those sorts of effects. It's precisely the same, but yeah. but uh, uh, this model is is much uh, simpler and 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 more plausible because, I mean, the, the model we have today it's 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 quite a few motions uh, of Earth, and the most the strangest motion of them all is the so-called wobble precession. The, yeah, the the, <laughs> the precessional wobble. And uh, and that is not needed uh, in this model because we have the the Earth's uh, own orbit. The show it with the, yeah, show it with the mouse. Show the the, the the direction of the PVP orbit. The Earth is uh, going. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, this is something um, that particularly interests me as a yeah, fan of yeah. ancient history. Is the precession of the equinoxes? All right, which but, well, is that, that, that's that's. Doesn't seem it doesn't seem to be um, sufficiently explained uh, sufficiently explained in the standard model. That's Um, my. That's humbly speaking. um, Sorry, who am I speaking to? It's Phil. Oh, Phil. Oh, sorry. The um, the precession is explained officially by uh, the idea that the Earth would wobble. Okay, it would wobble very slowly in twenty six thousand years. Yeah wobble in the opposite direction of its rotation yeah. which is physically very very strange you know if you have a spinning top like you know the, the kids are playing with a spinning top when it starts uh, falling it will it won't wobble in the opposite direction of its rotation okay but yeah. earth would do that according to copernicus because and according to wikipedia as well because i checked today they say yeah. they say in the wikipedia it acts they use the example you did of a spinning top and yes. yet the wobble acts in NASA, the opposite direction yes the nasa uses it and you know what on the italian wikipedia i once noticed they've deleted it now but i once noticed a big red line saying yes but this has never been explained physically why this could happen no. <laughs> So I, I, I screenshotted that because there was someone who said, why, how could it possibly wobble in the opposite direction of its rotation? Anyway, so the, the only thing, the only thing I will humbly say now, I have only discovered one more thing than my master, Taika Broy. I, 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 I consider myself just, you know, the little guy who came 400 lasers, uh, 400 years later and, and found the missing piece of the puzzle. So the missing piece of the puzzle that Tycho Bright could not have known at the time was that Earth is not immobile like as he thought. He thought Earth was totally immobile. It actually moves, but it moves extremely slowly around what I call the PVP orbit. Why do I call it a PVP orbit? 
PVP, because now, today, we are under Polaris, our North Star, Polaris. Mm -hmm. In about half of 25,000 years, we'll be on the other side, and we will be towards Vega. You see Vega? You see Polaris and Vega? Uh Okay, that we will uh, have, uh, our North Star is always changing. I, I mean, that's documented. Everyone has documented that. Uh, the Egyptians had another Northern Star uh, 5,000 years ago. That was Tuban. You can see Tuban here yeah. on the screen? Yeah, there we have Tuban. So let me, I, show you, let me show you now. If I, Tuban. if I step uh, 2,000 years back in time in this model, if I, if I put the zero here instead of a two, and now watch the Earth and see what happens. You see? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's the new two thousand well, years ago. Star. It was. It had no. We had no was North. It, oh, it's in between, right? Yeah, it was in between. So yeah, if you go five thousand years and then you yeah. See so if I put yeah. uh, minus five thousand here, minus five thousand. No, no. Minus well, five thousand. Minus three thousand. Uh, no, uh, my, my, oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh wait! I mean, minus three thousand. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So now Earth is approaching. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, our stars are still uh, provisional. They we we haven't still got them. Yeah, quite, I'm, it must be incredibly uh, difficult to try and map the stars. Yeah, so accurately. Yeah, yeah. but we, the, we get the, the idea the, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I mean, these stars are still a very you know we we haven't finished. Uh, I mean, it's, it's still a work in progress, of course. Yeah. So the stars are just some points that Patrick has, has put, but they are. They can, I mean, if you know how to work the Tychos, I mean, it's not cheating. Just if you know how it really works, it, it actually matches up pretty well. And yeah, Vega, I, and I mean, will just be, to, just to explain this, I, I have brought in the the celestial coordinates, and uh, but but I mean, as you see, the stars are much closer than they actually are. But that's also as I mean, I, I can. If we zoom zoom out here, I can I can bring them out. But I mean, since since. <laughs> We oh, well, we have they, uh, they are uh, pretty far away, but yeah, but but I mean it's they will still be on the same position on the on the celestial sphere, no matter how far or close they are. If you uh, if you yeah. follow what I mean, yeah, yeah. so yeah. They, they will still remain their their position in relation to us. I've tried to to make them as distant as they supposed to be and that's when it works best so i think we are on the right track even with the stars but but what we are really on the right track with is 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 the alignments that have been recorded you know there there are so many tables you can uh, consult and, and you can see when was and especially okay first of all between our planets jupiter saturn conjunctions are very famous conjunctions they all work back in time for th- thousands of years on the, in the Tychosum. The um, solar eclipses and lunar eclipses, they are all work perfectly. Mm. Pretty much perfectly. The only problem I'm still working on is a bit, sometimes the moon can be a bit lower, a little bit higher. I mean, the, the height, but not the position, the lateral position. That's perfect. Wow. You see what I mean? Yeah. Because my, my the first thing I really wanted to to show that we don't need any accelerating or decelerating planets, <laughs> they will come back as expected there. Uh, another thing I verified is all the transits 
of Mercury and Venus in front of the disk of the sun. Right, yeah. You, yeah, well, you know that Venus, Venus has only transited 10 times in the last 500 years or something. And, well, those 10 times, very rare occasions, they, they all check up. They all check out. It's incredible, to be honest, yeah. that, it, mm. that it works so well, yet it's so fundamentally different from... Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was amazed myself, of course, <laughs> when this can, can I, can I get a, Can I say something, Simon? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, yeah, I, I just wanted to, to hear about you. What, what do you think about this? I mean... It's it's pretty convincing, right? But but if it is, it it kind of raises a lot of other questions, right? Mm. I think it says. Yeah. I think you know when you think about sort of um, the sort of the change from the Earth being the center of things to the Sun, and all sort of like the consequences of that culturally and in terms of religion and all the rest of it. Um, it's quite an interesting thing to put it back. In the middle, I suppose that's what I've been thinking about. And you said something. So you said, I think it was Simon. You said that it's a. You think of it as a like a a magnetic um, system. Is that what you said? So are you kind of saying that the Earth is like a giant magnet then, and kind of pulling everything yeah, around well, it? I, I, you know what I what I what I said something sometimes. I think in my the few um, conferences I've done, I've done some in America and some in Sweden. I think I said at least once that please leave Newton at the door. We don't need Newton right now. We don't need <laughs> physical explanation. We we need to verify first of all uh-huh. observations versus you know. Versus, you know, tables of observations mm. that we can verify that we have documented that are there uh, with actual, um, you know, reality. It's it's all about being an, an empirical scientist here. Because yeah, first, no, I agree. You, you, you don't get your geometry I, right. We 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 should we shouldn't even start mm-hmm. making um, suppositions of how it works. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree, Sam, and I think what you what you uh, sometimes say you sh- you shouldn't put the the carriage in front of the horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What I mean is that first we need to to actually figure out and accept the geometry of our solar system, how things actually move, and then we can start to think about why it moves as mm. it does. What kind of forces are at play? You said it's exactly what yeah. I was trying to say. Thank you. And okay. I mean, the, the, the amazing thing here, when you start to think about this, how this, uh, uh, how, how it actually could be, is that, I mean, for thousands of years, astronomers has assumed that the Earth is very static, mm-hmm. that it doesn't, move much and why why have they done that yes because the stars doesn't shift during the year very much i mean you only have the procession yeah and that's a very subtle uh yeah yeah they knew about exactly it's very subtle yeah and and the funny thing with this is that I mean, the explanation today in the heliocentric models as to why the stars doesn't move during uh, the year it's because they are so far away you know yeah so it, it they do move but but we can't see it 
they all have their proper motions too. They, they have some proper motion, and that's the, the, the yeah. All stars move a little bit about the sky, very little. But what's important to understand is that uh, all stars. I mean, what is precession? Many people don't even know what precession is. It's a very simple thing. Precession is the fact that every single year, if you look at the sky, you're very patient, you, you stay there at the same place, and you look at the sky, you see, you choose one star of your liking, and you say, what's that star going, where is this star going to be next year? Well, it's going to be slightly to the left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the problem is, is that... From- 50.3 arc seconds to the left, 50.3. Yeah. Every year it will go to the left. It will go to the left. Well, and that's exactly what we're seeing here in this animation. Because our Earth, even if you can't see it because it moves so slowly, mm-hmm. our Earth is moving clockwise to the right. That's why the stars are moving to the left, okay? Is that easy enough? Even a kid can understand this. If we are moving to the right, the stars will be moving to the left, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make, make the PVP orbits larger, please, Patrick. Okay, uh, what you're yeah. seeing here, you can't see the Earth moving because it moves so slowly. It's mm. moving from left to right. Mm. Okay? At 1.6 kilometers an hour, one mile per hour, mm. practically. One mile an that, hour orbit. That's <laughs> the speed, <laughs> the right. translational speed now. of Earth. Earth is moving at that slowly. How could I even come to that conclusion? I explain it in my book. And it's a bit, it's hard to explain to you right now, mm. but I could, uh, I could uh, calculate the diameter of the PVP orbits by using other uh, planetariums, just by seeing how long it takes for the sun to move in the, to, to one, one star to the other and taking that and, 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 and extrapolating how, you know, how, how large, how wide our own orbit is. Yeah. And that's explained in my book. It's really hard to explain here on the radio. One of but, the things that's quite striking, sorry to jump in there, but I just yeah. saw it on the screen, is how close <laughs> Venus comes. I mean, it's almost like a couple of the distances from the moon away. It, yeah. it really comes, it's, it's the closest uh, planets. It, it's it a hop, to, skip and a jump at mm-hmm. that point, isn't it? It comes can, very close, yep. Yep, it comes to 0.2 AU. It's the closest to passing planets. Well, and that's accepted by everyone. I mean, can't be time for sending a probe out, isn't it? I guess. You know, you know, it, there's so many things that still remain from the 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 old. Uh, I mean, the, the established uh, ideas. Venus comes closest. Uh, there's nothing really, you know, crazy about this. It's just that it's amazingly. <sighs> I respect so many things with this. I, I'm not, you know, it's not like a crazy idea completely, you know, out of the blue. It absolutely works. And uh, mm. the the basic things are respected. Venus, look at how close Venus comes. Yeah, there it is, yeah. Yes. Well, it does that and everyone accepts that it does that. So there's I mean, nothing really, no, nothing that is in conflict with the, uh, with the main, uh, you know, knowledge or observations that have made been made by the best astronomers in the world. What happens to the moon when Venus gets that close? Because it almost, 
He almost pinches it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it, it's still the moon is only four hundred thousand kilometers away, and 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 Venus comes at. Uh, what is it now? Uh, well, it's much further. Much further, anyway. It's two, it's two point uh, zero point twenty eight AU, which is uh, let's see now. Uh, oh, point twenty AU. Yeah, yeah, like million. But it, I I want to go to another thing that I I really. That's another thing that made me jump up in my chair. Yeah. Mm. Because what I discovered, thanks to this Tychosium, which I, I could never have discovered before the Tychosium uh, came to life, is that when Mars comes closest to Earth, sometimes it comes very close to Earth, okay? Mm. Like in uh, August 28, 2003, it came as close as it has been for many 60,000 years. Uh, all, all astronomy sites were celebrating Mars coming closest to Earth, okay? Yeah. And you know what? It came at 56.6 million kilometers from Earth. What is 56.6 kilo- million kilometers? It is exactly half of the diameter. It's actually exactly the radius of my PVP orbit. Wow. Yes. That's the, the processional orbit that the Earth is doing very slowly at one mile PV, an hour. You see now, Mars is now, well... Oh, yeah, space, look, look mm. it's, normal, it's almost... Yeah, sometimes it comes, exa- when it comes closest, mm. it comes, in this case, in this year here where we are now, it's not exactly like that, but in other years, it will come exactly in the middle of my <laughs> PVP orbit, which is 113.2 million kilometers 56.6 is exactly half wow it's amazing it's another weird coincidence <laughs> yes i mean the problem you have um i think simon and patrick just speaking for myself is someone who's grown up with a, a uk state school education um it's it's classed as sort of a given it's um it's knowledge that is assumed and it's not just in the in the teaching in the realm of education. It's it's throughout the media. Every movie you see, every TV show, reinforces the heliocentric model. And so oh, we've yeah. we've all been programmed, you know, for forty years in a certain way of believing how things work. Yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're realizing this now, aren't we? <laughs> With this other than and it's, hoax. Yeah, and it, if I may... Uh, please, please, I'm Yeah, sorry. okay, I'm thanks. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's so interesting as well because, I mean, if we, if, if we look historically, yeah. we had another model a couple of hundred years ago uh, that was uh, sacred. That was the... the uh, the Ptolemaean, the oh, Aristotelian Ptolemy. model, yeah. uh, and it was with the crystalline spheres, and and uh, or, and and when this came under question, it became a very uh, worrisome period in 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 the world, you know. But I mean, it 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 wasn't correct and i mean the 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 biggest error in that model was that uh, it was assumed that that the earth was the immobile center of the universe i mean the 
they assumed that the universe rotated around a completely stationary Earth. And and interestingly enough, we we are now in another uh, <laughs> way of looking at things with the sun in the middle. That doesn't seem to compare very well with with the observations. So um, yeah, it it, it, it makes it you simply, wonder. It simply does not work. It's um, it's um, optically impossible. The Copernican system yeah, is impossible. If I may, uh, Sam, I, I, can, I, I, can I show you uh, an interesting thing here? Because, I mean, when this was under discussion in the 70th century, uh, Tycho Brahe said something about the Copernican heliocentric model. I mean, Tycho Brahe, he, he, he thought the idea that it was the Earth that rotated and not the universe was very interesting. But, uh, but it was a politically difficult question at the time because the church wouldn't accept that. So I think he he probably avoided that question for political reasons. Yeah. But what he also said about the Copernican model that was that he didn't like the idea that Earth would... Uh, idea, idea. Idea, thank you. Hmm. Idea. Uh, that the Earth would... Um, uh, orbit the sun because that would mean that the stars would have to be extremely large and extremely far away. He, he didn't see see it as uh, geometrically uh, possible because I mean during as we said during the year the, the the stars are stationary in the sky they don't move and I can show you here in the, in the model uh, what. Um, a heliocentric model how how it how it well, would have to what it implies sort of, what it implies it implies what what the copernican model implies that, that the stars would also be okay show it please it's wonderful yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> so i mean if we have this moving here uh, the, the model as as with with the earth stationary but i have this function where you, you can shift the view so you can make uh, um, heliocentric model out of this. So if I change the target here to the sun, mm. now you see everything is centered around the sun, right? Yeah. So we have yeah. uh, here we have a, a heliocentric model. All the stars are moving. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is what <laughs> that is what's required. So we need this. This needs a new type of of uh, geocentrism. Where uh, the universe follows the Earth <laughs> around yeah. the Sun. Yeah, it, it's really it's it's more wacky than you can even imagine. You raised yeah. a you raised a good point, Patrick, there about the uh, the political climate when Tico Brahe was doing all this stuff, and and the point of the church. And you've yeah. got to bear in mind that uh, if you know making the the Sun the center of the universe, it would have been. I'm thinking of like solar deities and solar worship and all that, all that stuff that came before the church, for the thousands of years before the church. Mm. I don't know. It's an interesting flip, and why I, know, I'd like to know, you know, re, why it happened at that particular time. Can, can can I take? Can I come back and explain this? Yeah. I mean, it's all about Galileo. Yeah, Galileo Galilei. He was the most arrogant. 
me some shits that's ever <laughs> that science has ever known. He was so arrogant. He he was able. He was. He actually said that any new discovery with my telescope should go through me. Uh, I have to, you know, vet it before it can be shown to be true. And he was the most arrogant prick you could ever <laughs> imagine. And he was the big promoter of Copernicus. He was the one, he was a friend of the Pope. The whole story that he was put in house arrest is a joke. He was put in a beautiful mansion of, of some friend of his, of the Pope, and he, he suffered nothing. And uh, whereas Giordano Bruno, he was burned mm. at the stake. Yeah. Okay. So there's a big difference to be burned at the stake or live in a mm. beautiful mansion, even though he was against the church. So Galileo was some kind of really, really uh, weird guy. I mean, really spooky guy. <laughs> And, 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 but, you know, we all know Galileo, we all know Kepler, we all know Einstein, we all know these superstars of Newton. astronomy. Mm -hmm. and Newton, of course, Newton. And we're stuck with these guys. We, we, we can't even, you know, dare question their, their uh, postulations mm. because they were only postulations. They didn't have any proof. And there is no, there's n I want to say one thing. There is no scientific proof that has ever been done of the motion of Earth around the sun. I mean, in the Copernicus system, do you, do you understand that officially they are telling us that we, our planet Earth, is going around the sun at 107,000 kilometers an hour? Mm -hmm. You can you trans, translate that in miles per hour, but... 107,000 kilometers an hour. You know what that is? That's 90 times the speed of sound. That's what we are supposed to be doing now. Yeah. Right now, you're sitting there in your room, and we are sitting here. We are going at 90 times the speed of sound. All right. So, okay. So, I, I accept that the Earth uh, spins around its axis at 1,600 kilometers an hour. But I accept that because... We have an atmosphere which which destroys all the meteors that come into us. So we are very very attached with our atmosphere is our protective layer. We have meteors coming into our and they burn up. Well, you have a meteor shower so every year we can see that. That that's uh, you know verifiable. We can see meteors and and we can see them burning up. So there is some sort of strange thing that we don't understand because we don't understand one thing. Why doesn't the atmosphere of our Earth sort of equalize with the vacuum of space? Okay, and that's the uh, an argument that flat earthers will bring up. You know, oh. uh, flat earthers like to say that. Well, yes, it's strange. We don't know, but we must accept that we don't know it, and we we should work on it. But the fact that that we are rotating uh, at you know because. The 1,600 kilometers an hour figure is for one guy sitting on the equator of Earth. Whereas if you are at the North Pole, you're going at zero kilometers an hour. You're just rotating around yourself, almost at zero, okay? So it's not very fast. It takes 24 hours for a planet to, to revolve once. 
Well, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm so, so having. Take, uh, I finish, Frederick. Yeah, take yeah, an sure. orange tonight. You go in your kitchen. You take an orange, and you sit there for one, 24 hours, and you put a, an ant, put an ant on your orange, and see if the ant will be thrown away by by you know uh, you know by the centrifugal force. It won't. The ant will stay there. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> That's correct, and and uh, I'm I'm having uh, tycosium in real time now, so one second equals one second, and you oh. see it's not happening much. We don't see much of the very fast rotation of Earth here, but if I increase it a little bit, now one second equals one minute. Now it's detectable. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it yeah. sounds fast, doesn't it? One thousand yeah. uh, six hundred miles an hour, it whatever. But, but fast, because of the yeah. size of the the globe, mm-hmm. uh, you can account for that. What yeah. are the um, What are the wider implications? Do you think for this model? Well, hopefully, since this is a, a model that Simon has developed that actually agrees with all known observations and experiments as opposed to the current one uh, we hope it eventually will be accepted but i mean that is um, uh, that will take some <laughs> some time and some time. and uh, as as you probably understand it 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 raises a lot of questions <laughs> yeah well i mean the first questions. one first one that comes to mind is are other people do other people know about this and they're not telling us? Well, uh, obviously, uh, first, for this model to be accepted, NASA has a collapse. Yep. The that, idea that never NASA a straight goes answer. <laughs> because why doesn't NASA? Why hasn't NASA ever uh, sent uh, you know a satellite full of cameras and just place it in a place where it gives us day by day? the picture of our solar system. Oh, right. So would that have to be um, sort of far out or oh, straight yeah. up? They, they say they can go as far as, you know, they, they have some probes. Apparently they have gone to other galaxies. Oh, Voyager, yeah. Voyager, yeah, Voyager is left, Yeah, yeah, they can place anything. They can place geostationary satellites, you see, That's just above like Paris or London, and they will stay there. They can send them up at 28,000 kilometers an hour, but they, they can break them and just stop exactly where they want. You know, you've had a uh, brownie box camera or something on there, Voyager 2. <laughs> the technology wasn't there for, for that. But why don't we have, I mean, seriously, guys, why don't doesn't NASA have a satellite that, that, that's placed in, the, in, in you know, a proper distance to show us that the Copernican system is what it is, what, what they tell us it is? Why? 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 They they claim they 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 show us pictures of other galaxies which are really far away, and and with details of you know how they spin around and they are all they're all trocoids they're all going around you know just like I'm saying we are doing and you know what um, there is a study from 2007 or 2008 or even even more recent. Uh, which I have in my book, of course, I've taken, where they show um, astronomers who have looked at binary systems and they see they see them doing all these spirograph patterns. All the binary systems are doing spirograph patterns. 
So why shouldn't we do that? That's one of the uh, key takeaways that's been for me is that it seems that more and more um, stars are going to be discovered to be binaries and just the probability of our system not being a binary Mm. goes up each time another one's identified, doesn't it? Mm. Yes, yes. And if it is a binary, then what is the uh, the partner? Yeah. Look, I I can Mm. tell you very confidently that 100% of the stars we can see with our naked eye are binary 100 mm. percent. do you think that some of these um exoplanets that are being identified could be the binary they, partners they and- exo- yeah. haven't you seen any newspapers they regularly tell you oh well, we found some new exoplanets around that star you know exopl-. well that's because they're finding more and more things uh, they're finding more binary systems with moons and stuff and they're calling them exoplanets but no one is saying uh, we found another binary system. They, they're trying. Mm. They're trying to, to. Of course, they're trying to to to, to protect this uh, this problem. It's a big problem. It, it's a collapse of of of, of science uh, of of astronomy. If they, yeah. if we, they would never admit that all the stars are binary. No, and 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 uh, speaking of that, Simon, if I I may interject uh, regarding science, because I mean. As you know, guys, uh, physics and astronomy, or at least uh, theoretical physics and astronomy, it's it's pretty intertwined. Uh, you all, uh, I, I, you talk to an, uh, I listened to one of your shows where you talk to an astrophysicist, mm-hmm. and 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 you had this guy uh, Mark on the show as well as I listened to, and and. I mean, what's what's so interesting to see about this? If you if you have this perspective, if you open to the question that we may may not have um, accurate uh, solar system model, and because what one thing that happened in in the late eighteenth uh, no nineteenth century and and the beginning of the twentieth century was that they performed an experiment where they wanted to confirm Earth's speed around the sun. And it was called the Michelson-Morley experiment. Have you heard about that? No, no. Oh, that's interesting because that that was an experiment where when uh, the paradigm or or the, the view in physics was ether physics. Yes, all right. So they wanted to measure... Uh, oh. the the difference of the light uh, the, how how the, how light was affected uh, because of earth orbit around the sun but but the problem that occurred was that they couldn't measure what they expected they were looking for the 107000 kilometers an hour speed of earth okay yeah. let's, so let's that, make it simple yeah. Let's make it simple. They were looking for 107,000 kilometers. They found almost nothing or something very, very small, but they did find something. But it was discarded like, you know, instrument error. (laughs) They did find something. So, but uh, they all said, oh, yeah, it it, it was the most failed experiment in the history of science, they call it now. And, 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 you know, Einstein said, oh, well, okay, I know why this happens. It's because ether does not exist. That was his way of getting out of the problem. So Einstein was the biggest clown ever. 
Yeah, I would say so. The, he was, I mean, he the was amazing thing the, here, guys, the, if, the, if, if I may, Simon, is that to 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 protect the Copernican system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, I mean, I, I would say we have we have changed physics so that it fits this model, and that pl- that causes a big problem in physics because they have problems now. Because, I mean, if you just accept that Earth doesn't move very much in the ether, then ether physics becomes crystal clear and harmonious. But if you can't accept that, if you have to uh, explain away the ether or, you know, make it fit with this model, then, then you have a problem. So, and, and, and I agree with Simon. I think the, the, the reason with uh, the, the thing... Uh, Einstein did was to salvage the the heliocentric Copernican model by yes, yes. by explaining away working yes, physics. And he wasn't the only one. Then there was Bradley, you know, the astronomer royal of the Royal Society, who came up with another explanation uh, because he was a guy who looked at uh, a northern star. Uh, in in the Draco constellation, and he he watched this star for many months, and it moved in a way that was completely completely disagreed with the whole theory of heliocentrism. Why why did he disagree? Well, he saw the star do a loop, the star that he was looking at over several months, uh, over a year, it would do a trochoid, a trochoid. You know what a trochoid is? It's like, you know, it's a, it's a loop. It's a loopy loop. It's a loop, okay? Yeah. That's like the loops you see. On the, uh, well, you know why? Um, you know why you, you saw that? Well, when we saw that, he said, oh, well, uh, we have to, uh, I have to find uh, an explanation with this. So he came up with the idea of aberration of light. Because the aberration of light would be because the light rays, um, since we are moving very fast around the sun, the light rays would come uh, skewed, and it's just like raindrops falling on the window of your car, and we have to adjust our telescopes in order to understand, you know. But, you know, this star was actually doing a loop. Well, why do all, and all, and, and then he checked other stars, and they all did the same thing. Well, that's because, and, and, and maybe Patrick can bring up, or maybe I should do it. There is a chapter in my book where I explain this very simply. Uh, what, an, what an earthly observer will do during a year, since we are rotating and moving slightly forwards, we will do a trochoid. What is which, a trochoid? Which chapter is it, Simon, if I... Um, okay, aberration of lights, aberration of lights. Um, yeah, 34. 34. Ah, nice. Can bring it up. So, yeah, scroll down, scroll down. Yes, okay, that's okay. <clears throat> now, the the lower graphic here, well, okay, but, you know, the, the white, the white, Trajectory you see here, yeah. You see mm-hmm. the white trajectory. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
that is the trajectory that an, an earthly observer will do in one year. Because uh, an observer that every, every night at midnight looks at a star and takes a picture. So if he takes a picture at one, you know, you see one up here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he keeps taking a picture of the same star at midnight every night. He will finally see the star doing exactly what he's doing. He's doing this pattern. So if, if he has a plate, you know, photographic plates, and the star will fall down <laughs> on his plate, it will do this funny, funny, funny um, trochoid. Because we are advancing from left to right. You see the Earth. This is a um, graphic I did to show that Earth is moving by 14,000 kilometers every year. It doesn't move more than 14,000 kilometers, a bit more than its own uh, um, diameter. Yeah. So the, the Earth is moving at one mile per, mile per hour. In one year, it, it will do just 14,000 kilometers. But a, an observer, you know, say in London, where I, where I did this example, he will be brought around this trochoid. And so each picture he will take will come on his plates in this shape. Now you can scroll down, uh, Patrick, and, and, and you can show, oh, uh, may, maybe next chapter I'll show where, how they exactly see the stars. Uh, I think it's the next chapter, yeah. Um, where is the chapter where I show how Vega, how Vega, sh- uh, wait, 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 the mystery of the negative stellar parallax. Yeah, oh, that's, what's the, that's an interesting as well. This is one of the best tile. points we have. This is yeah. one of the best arguments we have. <laughs> this is one of the best, really. Yeah. Because, um, Shall we go there? <laughs> Shall we go to the stellar parallax? Yeah, let's do that one because yeah, because it, mean, it can be explained maybe in an easier way. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, because we're quite simple people. Yeah, <laughs> we are all simple people, but it's just that you know you have to get into the geometrics and mm-hmm. anyway. If okay, here this graphic we're looking at is if it were true. You know, this is a Copernican uh, mm-hmm. graphic. Okay. Yep. So the guy up there, he says, I am obviously moving from right to left in relation to the stars, okay? And the guy on the bottom, he says the same thing. I am obviously moving from right to left in relation to the stars, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if Earth would be going around the sun as uh, believed. Hmm? Yes. So the stars will always have a parallax in, in one direction, not the other. You know, we never change direction. I mean, we are going on the same direction all the time. So the parallax should be always positive. That's what's called positive parallax. In in astronomical terms, that is positive parallax. But the problem is that for hundreds of years, they have detected negative parallax. That is, the stars seem to move the wrong way. Okay? And as many as 25% of the stars move the wrong way. And 26% move the right way, but 25 the wrong way. And the remaining 50% didn't move at all. When I say move, it, it means, you know, the uh, lateral displacement. Uh, this is when they are m- measuring a nearby star 
in relation to further away stars. Okay, there's a parallax they, uh, discussion. They are, they're looking at the nearby stars and seeing if they move, because they should move. If we are going around the sun, we are moving around the, you know, a, 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 an orbit which is 300 million kilometers wide, then, yeah. then the closest stars should move, like a tree in your car that's closer to your car and, and, and a mountain behind it, okay? It's parallax. So the mystery of negative parallax has never been solved. It's, it, it, it's just what they say is that, well, when they found never, even here we see uh, an old, um, it's from an old book from 1878. Even these measurements of the annual parallax <laughs> of the fixed stars, it sometimes happens that the astronomer, the astronomer finds his observations to give a negative parallax. To understand what this means, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then such a paradoxical result can arise only from errors of observation. Mm. So they explain it away by errors of observation. But they saw negative parallax. Well, in the Tychos, let's go straight to the Tychos explanation, which is down here. Uh, oh, oh, wait. So this, uh, this is a rate of, uh, that you can see on the tables of... Uh, the European Space Agency, they say that there are 29% positive parallaxes, they say that negative parallax is 25%, and zero parallaxes are almost 50. Like, there are, you know, this is... A, the, the, the They don't recognize these as negative parallaxes. They say they are measuring errors or... 25% promotion. error, you know? Yeah. But, but only those. No, no one of those, but, but only these. But they're still <laughs> boasting. But they're still boasting that they have an enormous, incredible accuracy now with the new yeah. satellites that are measuring this. Okay. But, okay, here we go. This graphic, guys, will go down in history. <laughs> Hopefully, this is a really this is a, for kids. This is a graphic for kids, Good. but you must you must take some time and look at this. Now, please understand: Earth, if Earth is moving almost in a straight line, okay, you see, it's moving. You know, in, in hundreds of years, it's moving all. The, it's been always moving, like you know, from right, right to left on this blue line. You see, yep, okay. So it's it, it's basically moving in a straight line. Uh, because in, in hundreds of years, it, of course, it, it's, it's always been bending because it, it's going around uh, an orbit. But in the thousands of years that we have been living in, uh, we have only been looking at the stars like this. So, Joe, you see Joe up there? He says, I've been drifting from left to right in the last six months. Okay? All right. And he's looking at a nearby star. See, uh, you see the nearby star above Joe? Yeah. Yeah. And so he looks at the nearby star and compares it with the distant stars behind. And that star will move in a certain direction. Whereas Jim, below, on the other side of Earth, he will look on the other quadrants of our skies, and he will see the stars moving from right to left. Not from left to right. Hmm. This is also you need to understand that during the summer and winter, the, the sun is on the other side, on, on opposite sides of Earth. So that's why you see uh, 
to start drifting or or the parallaxes. Yes, uh, because it changes in nighttime. Nighttime is yeah. uh, you know on one side is summer, <laughs> other side is is winter. Yeah. And then, but but no, wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. Yeah. What about the forty six percent of no parallax stars that don't seem to move at all in in relation to the distant ones? What about them? Well, look, if both Joe and Jim are going away from the stars to the left of this uh, graphic, they're not going to see uh, any difference of the nearby star uh, in relation to the uh, further ones. Right, there yeah. There will be no parallax. Yeah. And the same with the star he's going against. They are going against. They're going towards them. If you walk towards this tree, and behind the tree you have a mountain, the tree and the mountain will remain aligned, Okay. Yeah, so the uh, the zero parallax stars are the stars on the plane of the ecliptic. Essentially, is explained the zero the forty six percent officially yeah. claimed on the tables is explained by this little graphic. And and it says forty six percent. It sounds right. You know, if it was ten percent zero parallax, this wouldn't work. The fact that it's half, and then you have a quarter above and a quarter below. As yeah. above, so below. It's the old uh, hermetic yeah. axiom. Yeah, it's it's right. It makes sense to me. Okay, love Thanks. it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uninstall Stellarium as soon as we finish. And uh, no, no, please no. keep it, keep it, because Stellarium is is absolutely oh, it's it's so correct in some ways, <laughs> but but then it it gets. Um, <laughs> it, oh, it has problems. Yeah, I think that that's important to explain. I mean, what's what's going on there? Because I mean, Stellarium yeah. is observationally correct, but why is it? Because it is showing the skies from a, a geocentric uh, viewpoint. Yeah, it's yes. just it's just you, the you observation. Can, you can, yeah, you can never zoom out from Stellarium and and look mm. at, at the system from a helicopter view as you can can exactly. do in in uh, exactly. Tychosium. Yeah, I was being I was being facetious. Find, what what you will never find, guys, is uh, heliocentric Copernican orrery mm. where the stars are accurately represented. You, because you can you can make a Copernican heliocentric orbit work if you only have the planets moving in of like, our own solar system. Yeah, right. but you, but you yeah. can't make the planets be in front of the stars. Mm. They they observe yeah, the alignments get off of whack. They they mm. get totally off whack, and the only only excuse they have for that is that the stars are so far away. Yeah. It's so far away. Yeah. That's yeah. the only explanation they have. Well, I mean, we've got to wrap up. We've blown well over mm. time. I mean, we, mm. could talk to, we could go through this all night, but mm. we've got oh, work, well, it's work been in the morning. to talk yeah. with you guys, really. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think, uh, is there anything you, any final thoughts you want to add, Simon or Patrick? Patrick? Uh, yeah. I I mean I I hope uh, people that are interested in 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 this takes takes a good look at it because uh, as I, as I told you in the beginning I mean I I I've I've found this very unlikely mm. but now I've worked with it for what is it four years now yeah 
and it checks out. And I mean, if if you if you talk about science and 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 scientific evidence, the one of the strongest evidence you can have is a demonstration. Well, here is the demonstration. Yeah, there it is. And we have it with the astronomical positions as well. And as I said before, you won't find uh, a Copernican or heliocentric orrery where you can see the planets move Mm. and be in correct relation with the stars. Mm. And there is a simple reason for that, and I showed you that before, because it's geometrically impossible. The heliocentric model is geometrically impossible. impossible. Yes. Yep. So that's my final word. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was, a good, that, was a, that was a good final word. Was, yeah. 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 Do you want to add anything, Simon, before we play ourselves out? No, I just want to thank you for um, taking your time and watching at our work. We we were working like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very enthusiastic about it, of course. Yeah. And uh, I apologize to those who may think that, you know, we are too enthusiastic. <laughs> but um, we, we really believe in this because it, it checks out. Mm. That's what Patrick says. And there is, I know what I'm talking about because I've been studying the Copernican system very, very deeply before I started even this. So I know what the Copernican system says and I know what the Tycho Brahe system says. And the only one that works is this one, which is Tycho Brahe. And why is Tycho Brahe so uh, unknown to the people in the world? Mm. Maybe, you know, that's that's for conspiracy theorists to, to, <laughs> to explain, you know. Heretic. <laughs> there is a book, there's a book um, called um, Heavenly Intrigue, uh, which written by... Um, a couple, Joshua Gilder and Anne-Marie Gilder, which explains all the history of Tycho Brahe and, and concludes that Kepler actually poisoned his master. Yes, uh, I was reading yeah. about that, yeah. Oh, Died yeah. in suspicious circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's you know, that's... that's uh, for conspiracy theories to to <laughs> munch on, yeah, but so. I don't want to go there. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm. Oh, I'll go there. You know. <laughs> I'll go there. Taught him everything he knew. <laughs> it's like uh, the emperor in Star Wars. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I think we have we have realized even in the last few years how much um, the powers that be wish us to stay ignorant. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so please, please uh, meditate on that thing. They wish us to not be uh, uh, learned, and and that's that's their plan. And even you know, if you've studied biology, you know it's bullshit. So the whole thing. So, yeah. well, on that note, yeah. Um, thanks for coming, guys. We've really enjoyed it. Yeah, and really um, stay on the line for us while we play ourselves out. Yeah, and. Um, Eavesdroppers, www.tychos.info. That's T Y C H C H O S. Link in the description as always. And mm. go and play with, with this model that Patrick's built. It's good fun. Yeah, and then test it. You know, don't take our word for it. Look up some conjunctions, test it. Test it to, to breaking point and see what you think. That's science. You know? That's how science works. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And right, um, we'll right. catch you on the flip side. Don't mm. touch that dial. 
All right, then we're back. The cripple and the mother of madness. Wolf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. <laughs> the dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. Current grape. Was a uh, Star Trek marathon. All the movies yesterday on uh, on film four. Was it? So you're speaking of Wolf. All oh, right. Okay. Well, I enjoyed that podcast with uh, Simon Shack and Patrick Humphquist. Yeah, it was. It was good. Yeah. I did, yeah. Um, it kind of made sense to my feeble brain what was happening. That's how they get you. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I still don't really know what to make of it. Why the fuck would planets have elliptical orbits? I don't know. Is it not how is that explained in the gravity? Gravity. I suppose that's the other thing. Why would it? Why? Why would gravity gravity make a planet have an elliptical orbit? Isn't it pulled out to the other bodies that have greater mass? Like Jupiter has an effect on the orbit of some of the planets because it's so massive. I don't know. This is magnetism, not gravity. Anyway, you didn't mention gravity once, except to no. poop it. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just make believe, isn't it? Just made it all. Gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Should we move on? Yeah. Best dad. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. It's a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this. Give us a five star review on iTunes. It's a good start. Five star review, yeah. Um, subscribe and like to all of our different accounts, platforms, In- yep. Instagram. Join the Discord and get involved. Yeah. Odyssey. Instagram merch like buy some merch from the Amish loot chest yeah buy some merchandise new range out t-shirts and hoodies and mugs with the new uh, logo nice thanks to uh, Amy the artist yeah for sorting that out for us thank you Amy yeah they look fresh (laughs) excellent might have to to update the wardrobe with one make a purchase Um, yeah yeah, go to the armistinquisition.com or, or the link tree and you'll find a link to the uh, the loot chest. Yeah. Um, you can you can send us some uh, artwork for the episode title thing. Yeah. How many pixels, Ben? 4,000? Between 1,400 squared and 3,000 squared yeah. pixels. Uh, so That's no. what we're looking for, yeah. <laughs> Anything other is null and void. Incorrect. <laughs> Null and void, and it has to be a perfect square. Yeah. Because I'm not getting involved in... Uh, I mean, the artist was uh, taking pity on me and laughing at me. Why? Well, because I'd drawn our logo in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> Did you draw that? Well, no, I went over it. It was a, a oh. negative of a, a boy, wasn't it, that Ben uh, made? Right, okay. But it just wasn't popping, was it? <laughs> so I, uh, I went over awesome. it in MS Paint like a fucking pro, graphic designing pro, and then I drew that radio tower. Did you? Yeah. Free hand with Microsoft Paint. Get out of it. Uh, Fucking get into it. Why? I did. Why would you do that? Because look at it. It just looks swish, doesn't it? it looks yeah, we're swifty. glad you did. We don't need to know the reasons why. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely thanks to Amy for sorting us out because it wasn't big enough to use on the T-shirt and she made the, oh, right, the okay. black bit transparent. We've got a transparent oh, version. Yeah. So on a black T-shirt... You know the boy is is printed, and then the the background. So it, 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 you can get a white one. 
white t-shirt. I'm definitely going to get one of these. Yeah, always best to get a professional in for these matters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Discord. Join the Discord. Uh, there are threads there sending us news clips, um, video clips, audio clips, yeah. COVID news. Yeah. Um, memes. 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 Everyone loves a meme. I'm on Discord now. I'm so. also on Discord as well. So you can, they so you can know. berate us individually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the best way of becoming a producer? Uh, Money. <laughs> Toss us a coin. Toss a coin to your witcher. Oh, Valley of Plenty. If you're a communist, you can... Oh, I'm literally a communist. Toss us a coin. Or you can toss us a... Or you can toss us a... Great. But preferably coins. Yeah. Coins Coins. would be best. Yes. Or crypto. Or crypto from Odyssey. Yeah, sign up to the YouTube and the Odyssey. I got got 15 Odyssey library coins twice this week. (laughs) And I got five today. I got 40-odd library credits this week just by watching two seconds of a video every day. Oh, that's almost a pence. Exactly, yeah. But, um, you know, we don't get enough monetary donations and it really bothers me. Mm. It really bothers me. So uh, make sure you do that. Go to yeah. com and uh, find the PayPal button, the donate mm. button, and fucking send us some money, bitches. Yes, mm. that would be lovely. Thank you. Yeah, otherwise, we're going to have to start doing Smooth My Balls, man. They're getting desperate now, liking our tweets <laughs> this week. Smooth My Balls. Yeah, What no. if your balls are already smooth? <laughs> Well, they, what they, can they do for the man who already has smooth balls? Fuck all. That's why we're not uh, oh. having a sponsorship deal. Unless you make us. By, yeah. by Be more ref- inclusive, smooth my balls. Yeah, by refusing to uh, donate. Pay us. Yeah, for fuck's sake. Do it for... The lads. 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 All right, should we thank the producers for episode 191? If we must. Do it. We have... Is it time? Is it time? I can't remember. I don't remember it's the order. It's time to <laughs> big up the man Dems. Yo. We have producers for episode 191. Ami the Artist. Gav Scott, Lee from The Big Conspire. Hell's Bells from Discord. Slicko83, Nomi Noznodge, and the anonymous people. The anomalous people who bought merch this week. Thank you. <clears throat> You're so amazing in your love. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their... Love it, The best mate. The best mate. Building back better. It's a miracle. But, uh, the dwarf. The carrots. The grape. The homophobe. The winds. The asthma. The crap up. Cunt. The number 11. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother of... An old friend is here. From hell. Delightful. <laughs> Yep, thanks. Thanks for your support <coughs> for another week. Yeah. And uh, again, there's so much. Got so much through on Discord and via other means through Instagram, Facebook Messenger. We're not going to get through it all, but yeah. thanks anyway. We have to try and... Um, we're going to have to try and rush through and just select, you know, can I, what uh, we can. Can I request a birthday shout-out for DCI Shanks, our sometime producer, um, on the red button there? Uh, certainly. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday, Hugh Janus. Thank I you. Can smell whore. I can smell whore. He's a homophobe and he's a misogynist. Lovely. Happy birthday, DCI. Yeah, DCI Shanks. Get in there. Yeah. <laughs>
What did you do with Big Chungus? COVID-19. <laughs> yes. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass. From hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and it's not going to allow us to go completely back to normal. Anal swab tests in the same ballpark as seasonal influenza. Because we're getting bored, we want to have fun. But I can't save you if you're not wearing a face mask. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. <laughs> Loads of COVID news this week. Where the hell should we start? Island. The ROI, the Republican of Ireland, have delayed their reopening this week. I've got a statement here from the Irish PM, Michael Martin. He sent it in. Yep. <laughs> the Taoiseach. Last night, we were advised by public health officials in very stark terms that proceeding exactly as planned on the 5th of July carries a real risk of greatly increased spread of the virus, increased hospital admissions, illness and death. Last night and this morning... The government has examined this advice and agreed to delay some elements of the further reopening scheduled for the 5th of July. There will be an increase in the number of people attending outdoor events. And given its very special nature, the numbers of guests attending weddings can increase to 50 as planned. However, a return to other indoor activities, including hospitality, will be delayed. I am 90% sure that's my dentist. Yeah. Ireland is now the only country in Europe with no indoor hospitality. So the, well, you still can't go in a cafe or a restaurant there? Nope. Oh. Nope. And uh, it gets better. Or a pub? Zero indoor hospitality. What the fuck? It gets better. Neffet's clear advice, based on the modelling it has done, is that given the increased transmissibility of the Delta variant... The safest way to now proceed with a return to indoor hospitality is to limit access to those who have been fully vaccinated or have recovered from COVID infection. What? So they'll, they'll open up if you've had your jab, so you've... Oh, right. Okay. You're allowed in if right, you're okay. double vaccinated. Okay. Or you have proof of uh, previous infection. Mm, I don't... Mm, I think they'll try, but I'm not sure how... How they'll be able to enforce that with extreme duress. Well, I, I they try to. Well, the only one that I've sort of heard of is the one in Israel, and people kicked off about it, didn't they? And they and they withdrew it, as far as I know. Yep, and now the mass mandates and whatnot are back in Israel because they're having a spike in cases. The most vaccinated country in the world is seeing a spike in the reintroducing measures. Right. Okay. In the summer. In the summer. Yeah. Anyway, let's see what this... Uh, I think this, this Irish guy sums it up off Twitter. Or what is it called? Yeah, Irish guy. <laughs> I see Neffet have advised us not to open the pubs on the 5th for fear that the hospital beds will be overrun. Which is funny because as far as I can see, between the COVID, the homelessness and the housing crisis, the only available beds left in the country are in the hospitals. I keep expecting the matter to start doing midweek deals on Booking.com. Two nights bed and breakfast job. And maybe the young ones are causing trouble on the streets of Letterkenny and all the other streets of Ireland because they're pure frustrated. 18 months of being pinned in. What's you expect from an ass but a fucking kick like? <laughs> the last time the pubs were open, some of these young fellas were still on the titty. 
They're like horny young rams being let out of a pin into a fresh meadow of beautiful yos, just waiting to be dipped. Open up the fucking pub so that we can regulate the crack. Either this vaccine works or it doesn't fucking work, like. Because as far as I can see, at the way it is now, it's about as useful as all them claps we were giving the frontline workers all through the year. A waste of fucking time, like. You know? Now that's my dentist. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, it, that sums up my point of, you know, what's the point in the vaccine? Yeah. Gonna, just going to do this forever then. Seems like it. Because, um, you know... Yeah. Uh, the, <clears throat> How much more effective? If it's going to blame, keep blaming it on the Delta variant, um, and how much more effective do you think a, I suppose, specialised vaccine for that slight change in genetic code is going to be? It's not going to work, is it? I don't, this plan doesn't work. You can't keep up. You're no. in an arms race exactly. with Mother Nature. Exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately, the you know, we've been through it so many times, but the things that we're doing are not consequence-free. Consequence no, yeah. You Obviously, know, yeah. It's got to stop. I'm I'm just starting to become confident that it is going to stop. Really? With, with, the, with the July 19th. You're getting confident. Yeah. Sajid. The noises they're making. Yeah, it seems to be. It seems to be that way, but they've done that before, haven't they? Oh, yeah, and that doesn't mean that it's not going to be reinstituted in the autumn. Mm, yeah, that's the other thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I think people are, well, let's move on. Okay. Let's move on to uh, Peter, Dr. Peter Hortez, who's uh, sometime, often a contributor on CNN and, uh, you know, spoke whole. For, for the scientific and medical community, and um, the, the anchor gave him sort of one last opportunity mm. to sell, sell the vaccine. Okay, you know because they're being bribed with everything: McDonald's, donuts, lottery tickets, college educations for free, to, to try and coerce people into getting mm-hmm. it done. So he's giving him one, one last opportunity, and I couldn't resist playing this. The, the case is this. The, the Delta variant is like nothing we've seen before. The B117 variant from the UK was more transmissible than the original lineage by about 50%. This one, the Delta is 50% more than that. This is twice as infectious as anything we've seen before. So if you're not vaccinated or if you're only partially vaccinated, there's a high likelihood you will become infected with this Delta variant over the next few weeks or over the summer. The next few weeks. Right, okay. Right, now, you get a jab, then there's a delay, isn't there, for the second jab? 12 weeks. Yeah. 12 weeks. And then there's, what, three-week delay after that, or two weeks to get fully protected? Yeah. So he's saying, oh, yeah, if you don't get this jab, you're going to go get you, you're going to get the Delta variant in the next few weeks. Yeah, well, well, if you had the jab, even if you had the first jab, then it's like two weeks, isn't it, for it to yeah. have a reaction in your system or whatever. Yeah, the kicker's at the end, though. Now it's not too late. Now is the time to get vaccinated. And if you're a young adult or adolescent, don't listen to the anti-vaccine nonsense that says if you go to the gym and eat a healthy diet, that's good enough. It's not. It's not the same as virus neutralizing antibodies from the vaccine. Don't go to the gym. Don't eat a healthy diet. Don't listen to that rubbish. Take your vaccine. (laughs) Believe it. I think this is the thing, isn't it? When you're getting down to that age range... When the it's been shown that the vaccine is um, causing more damage than COVID would, 
the thing that most disappoints me about the huge vaccine uptake in the UK is the fact that if we'd have been a little bit more pessimistic, we could have got free lottery tickets and college <laughs> education and burgers and stuff. Yeah. Now, now we get nothing except protection. Oh, yeah, far too compliant. I'll skip David Nabarro. Uh, From Chili Peppers. I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, guitarist. Occasional guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers and also special envoy for the WHO right. on the side. I'll skip that one. Um, I wanted to do these clips. This is uh, Dr. Peter Gortcher. <laughs> from the University of Copenhagen. And these, I've got two clips here from uh, 2019 film Medicating Normal, which he was like a talking head. Um, just to give you a bit of a brief background, a Danish physician, medical researcher, co-founder of the Cochrane Collaboration, written numerous reviews for the organisation. His membership in, uh, in, of Cochrane was terminated by its governing board of trustees in 2018. Uh, he studied science, graduating with a Master of Science in 1974. He worked briefly as a teacher. 1975, he took a job in the pharmaceutical industry, a drug rep for Astra AB, who would later become AstraZeneca. Uh, several months later, became a product manager. 1977, he took a position, a position at Astra Syntex and was responsible for clinical trials. Uh, while there, he started to study medicine and he graduated as a physician in 1984. Worked in hospitals in Co Copenhagen, 84 to 95. Co-founded um, the Cochrane Collaboration in 1993. Same year, he established the Nordic Cochrane Centre. 2010, he was named Professor of Clinical Research Design and Anal Analysis at University of Copenhagen. 2017, a lecture member of the Governing Board of Cochrane. 2018, he was expelled from the Cochrane Collaboration. Uh, and then a the year later, he founded a new institute for scientific freedom, freedom, whose goal is to preserve honesty and integrity in science. <sighs> he was expelled from the board in 2017 after a 6-5 to five vote of the 13-member board, uh, an annual meeting. Um, the board said it was because of ongoing consistent pattern of disruptive and inappropriate behaviours undermining the culture and detrimental to the charity's work. Um, this is because he's been critical of the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, after his expulsion, four other members of the board resigned, throwing the organisation into turmoil. Mm -hmm. So it seems he was booted out for uh, jabbering on about Big Pharma right. and wanting to keep Big Pharma at arm's length from mm -hmm. this charity. Right. And uh, in sympathy, four other board members resigned after he was booted out because it was such an injustice. Anyway, I've right. got two clips because I think this is interesting. <clears throat> Clip one. Drug companies are the most wealthy business on the planet. They have so much money that is unimaginable. And they buy everyone with an influence, including sometimes ministers of health. And of course, when they buy doctors, they start with the professors and chairman, chiefs of department, and then they educate them so that they can become what they call key opinion leaders, so they can indoctrinate other doctors that some terrible, terribly expensive drug should be used and not a cheap one which might even be better.
ivermectin mm-hmm. out of patent, two dollars a dose. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Merck have um, come out. Ivermectin is a Merck-owned drug. They produce ivermectin, and they've come out and said, "No, it's no good. Ivermectin doesn't work." They are currently about to release their own rebranded, rebadged version of ivermectin, which will be. It'll have one molecule changed. Yeah. But it'll be under patent, and it'll be mm-hmm. £100 a dose rather than $2 or mm. whatever. This yeah. is how it works. Or having less side effects. So uh, medical education is partly corrupted. No doctor should ever go to any educational event where the drug industry has put money in it. Of course, they don't select key opinion leaders that are not good salespeople for them. And if they start talking about harms of the company's drugs or start praising a competitor's drug, of course, that person wouldn't show up next time. That's obvious. In every field now, you have something called CPD, Continual Professional Development. Mm -hmm. And these are... They are... What's the word? Not collected, corrupted, captured. They're captured by industry. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a, you know, Pfizer is going to pay for a continuous professional development seminar. Right, where, so. look, we've got this new drug. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Bring all your doctors here. We want to uh, teach you about it. Mm-hmm. It's how the industry works. This whole how all industry works. I have to do continual professional yeah, development. Yeah. And they're all corporate sponsor led. Mm-hmm. It's all money. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on to clip two. My country, Denmark, is regarded as one of the least corrupt countries on earth. But I must say, on healthcare, in healthcare, we are pretty corrupt like the rest of the world. In Denmark, we have transparency about whether doctors get money from the drug industry. And in our little country, where we only have around 25,000 doctors, thousands of them are on the advisory board of a drug company. Got to look after number one, haven't you? (laughs) Or consultants, or they lecture at drug company-funded continuous medical education events. This is how you buy influence. You buy people, and then you buy their loyalty. I mean, uh, 1,000 people on the advisory board of drug companies in Denmark, what should all these doctors be doing? They don't do much, most of them, but they are being bought. How can a, a drug company have a thousand doctors on its advisory board from one small Scandinavian country? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we see what's going on? Mm-hmm. The bought its influence. Mm-hmm. This is how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we not see a problem? Is this okay? <laughs> from the view of the doctors, probably. <laughs> well, obviously, isn't it? The doctors who are on TV. Telling you what when you can hug your parents again, Hillary. <laughs> the ones telling you to put your children in mass, maybe giving them an experimental vaccine. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Right, let's move on. So nothing to add there. There was an incredible um, exchange on Jeremy Vine's show this week. Incredible. He, yeah. With uh, Have you seen Beverly Turner? <coughs> she used to present, was it F1 or something? Or oh, Super yeah. Bikes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she's very sceptical about the vaccine. Right, okay. Um, because it's, you know, it's been used under emergency use authorization and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, this exchange was pretty incredible. Who was she talking to? Oh, Nina Miskow. Right. was a columnist. I don't know what paper she writes for. I want to say probably The Independent, mm. but I could be wrong. Mm. But if you are talking about ameliorating symptoms, what we're discussing is asymptomatic transmission. Okay. Can I ask you, Beverly, have you had the Pfizer or the Oxford AstraZeneca? Are we honestly... I'm sitting here within feet of you. I have a right to know. You have no right to know. You ha- I have a right to know. You, we do not. We have something in this country called medical confidentiality and medical privacy. You have absolutely no right to know anything about my medical history. I do, you because do it does affect me. It, it affects people you come into contact with. Yes, it, it does. It does not. It does. Based on what... what Beverly has the right to refuse to say. She has a right to refuse to say. The fact that she's refusing to say means to me that she hasn't had it. I just can't believe what this country's turned into. It. She nearly breaks down there. I heard it. You can hear her voice crack. Yeah. Can't believe what this country's come to. So that sad. Proves my point. But it, no, Nina. Proves what it point. proves to me is you don't understand anything about the science of this spike. Well, and, and you do. And your scientific degree. Vaccination. It comes the appeal to authority from Nina. Idols, you too. I just. You have a scientific degree. You have a medical degree. You're an epidemiologist. You're a virologist. Any of these things, any degrees that you are... Show me a bit of paper that you are qualified. Is it, Nina, you've had the vaccine. I Surely have. that's enough, isn't it? Because, because that protects you. I've had the vaccine. Evidently not. Storm's had it. That protects us against mm. unvaccinated people who may be spreading it. Yes? Do you understand Just, about asymptomatic transmission? So what do, what do you think? Of you, course do you think I you know. I have mean, a force field around you. Like, what, what, how do you think this vaccine works? Explain to me the science. Well, hang on, we haven't got time for... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. That, hang sorry. on a minute. You know, you don't have to berate me and, 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 and sort of <laughs> say, you know, uh, you don't understand. Oh, Listen, my. a vaccine, two doses of the vaccine, protects me to a certain extent, it to a percentage. you. It protects you. You summed it, it up. Also, they've also you. they've also discovered that it, the um, transmission is lessened. Why? Because it ameliorates your symptoms. No, no, it's not just that. The, 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 just that. the, the, the transmission is because reduced anyway. Because you have anyway. a reduced transmission. It's not just because you're coughing less. Oh, that was pretty wow. incredible. Well, I mean... Daytime TV. Uh, neither of them are experts, are they? If you if you're sort of relying on experts, so you know a point is invalid as, uh, to begin with. Yeah, how many of the experts are compromised by the last two clips we just played, though? <laughs> exactly, I know, but you know that's just you can't, you can't just appeal to authority. Trust the experts, can you? No, not with we that evidence. Don't know how bent they are. <laughs> Scientists aren't immune from bungs and bribes. Mm. I don't think anyone is. No, well, what? No particular demographic. It's about individuals. I think the thing is, is it's this. Uh, she, she, she doesn't have the right to to ask, does she? I mean, there's a there's lots of different things that. Oh, she, I think she has the right to ask, and then you have the right to say fuck off. Well, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> fuck 
off, you Go horrible off. witch. <laughs> but there's a Go mi- away. There's like a there's a myriad <laughs> of things that Beverly potentially does or anybody in that studio does that could affect her. One of them is whether she's had the vaccine or not, potentially. But you know, there could be you know, she might have like spilt a little bit of coffee on the floor and she might have slipped <laughs> on that and broke her back. That could affect her. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not you know, people have just become in focused on one aspect of risk. Yeah, transfixed, focused, yeah. Yeah, completely. Well our whole country has become and where does that come from? That comes from the government messaging and the media amplification. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It does. You know, the best thing you can do is disengage from the from the news. Yeah. Just listen. Get your news from here. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching. Yeah, that would be better. We, we can't advocate that. <laughs> Watch um, Succession. I've been enjoying that instead of watching the news. I'm watching an episode of Succession. Yeah, there's a new series of Rick and Morty. Yeah, new series of Rick and Morty's out. That's better than the news. Yeah. Yeah. Even like the fourth series of Handmaid's Tale or whatever. Yeah, on it's, been it's been pretty good, isn't it? It's been pretty good. I'll just, I'll just want to quickly skate through some stuff because time's knocking on and there's Please. fucking loads. Right, so just a few, just a headline. Guardian this week. Nine in ten parents in England say they favour giving their oh, children a COVID vaccine if they are offered it, according to a national survey from the ONS. Really? Yep. And it was quite a lot they asked as well because that was the first thing I checked. 4,400. Oh, was it? I thought it was 44,000. 4,400. So either the ONS is captured... As we discussed last week or the week before, or um, people are just fucking insane. <laughs> Next, bit from column A, bit from column B. <laughs> COVID jabs should be given to pets after human vaccine rollout is over. Oh. Ben, you called this what six months ago? Yeah, you did, didn't you? <laughs> Labour is calling on ministers to look at giving the coronavirus vaccine to animals once the human population has been dealt with. This is our local MP. This is my MP. Ben. Sorry, not my MP, your MP. Sir Mark Hendrick. Oh, right. Fuck's sake. Come on, Mark, man. Cats and dogs should be next in line for COVID jabs once all other people <laughs> have been vaccinated. <laughs> Sorry, 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 Morty. <laughs> According to experts, vaccinating pets may stop, help stop variants developing and spreading. Does lab- it, doesn't lab- it do the opposite? Uh, coronaviruses have animal reservoirs. That's why, was it Denmark who called... 17 million mink? Yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll just, you know, it'll go into another animal. Well, that's what I mean. He's, he's going to kill everything. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> We're not the top species. We, we've killed our future. <laughs> why not just kill all the animals as well? Labour's Sir Mark Hendrick. Is he a native of Preston? Is he? I doubt it. Oh, I think he is. Is he? Yeah. COVID possibly started in bats. <laughs> the priority is to vaccinate humans, but a year or so down the line, we have to look at animal vaccines. Oh, my God. Kevin Taylor, editor of the journal Virulence. Where's he from? <laughs> added, I think he's South African. <laughs> I think he is. Mutations could come back into humans looking quite different. A substantially different variant could be a problem in the future. The best way to deal with that might be vaccines. Is he an Aston Villa fan? <laughs> Environment, Minister, <laughs> Environment Minister Victoria Prentice said there is no evidence of affecting farm animals and no current plans, plans for the jab. But she added... <coughs> where's Victoria Prentice from? She added... Oh, um, London. <laughs> 
if the biology changes <laughs> such that companion animals become important in transmission, we'll reconsider. What the fuck? Sir Mark added, the more we exploit the world, the more likely it is to bite us back. We need to build back better. Oh, no. Oh, I, add, I, add, I added the build back better in it. He didn't really say that. Yeah, England knocked out Germany in the World Cup this week. Yeah, amazing, amazing times. Did you hear the troll? There was a troll in on uh, Capital FM. No. Did you not? No. Busy. Capital FM. Yeah, I... Uh, I don't seem to... Uh, Have that clue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course I do. I'm just looking at the old... Uh... Yeah. My name is Andrea Strasser. This guy, uh, the DJ, is ringing up a German hotel. Oh, right, OK. Oh, hello. Sorry, I think I pressed the wrong option. I, I meant for the English version, if that's OK. Yeah, it's OK. How can I help you? Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, I'd like to make a reservation for tonight, if that's possible. OK, um, no problem. Um, just one moment. I will check the availability. And you need a single or a double room? Uh, it'll probably be a double. Can you please give me your last name? Yeah, my last name is, is a bit of an unusual one, Ming Home. Okay, can you please spell it? Yep, it's M-I-N-G-H-O-M-E, Ming Home. Okay, and your first name, Mr. Ming Home? My first name is Itscom, spelt I-T-S-K-O-M. Okay, so I-T-S? Yep, K-O-M. K-O-M, okay, Itscom. So my full name is? Itscom Ming Home, yes? Yes, it is! <laughs> awful. Yeah, Absolutely awful. Two out of ten. <laughs> yeah, not the best prank. No. Was it? No. No. <sighs> the uh, uh, Boba Fett is up in arms. Who? Yeah, the actor who played Boba Fett. Go on. What's his name? Uh, Jeremy. Um. Mark Anthony Austin. The actor who played Boba Fett in Star Wars has slammed Disney for changing the name of the character's spaceship, Slave One. Uh, in its Lego merchandise. Mark Anthony Austin has criticised the company for renaming the ship for the new Lego toys, um, Boba's Starship. Is it not... Was it called Slave One? Yeah, Slave One, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It looks like an old vacuum cleaner. Oh, that one is that one. Is so it? I'm wondering if they're going to rename the Slave Leia merchandise now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well... Oh, we don't need that anyway, oh, no, do we? Yeah, we don't need yeah, that. Yeah, we do. That's where the camera is. Oh, fuck. Why is it? Oh, no. <laughs> Have we not been recording? Have we? Just been recording audio. No, it's here. No, I've been recording in OBS, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Right. Yeah, start... Uh, my, my, this is what I said. My ship will forever be slave one. Nothing. Not even hashtag Disney. And all will change that. I thought he was Australian. This is the way. This is the way. Yeah. Star Wars fan site Jedi News sports and members of the Lego Star Wars design team at the Lego Fan Media Day recently where the name change was confirmed. We're not calling it Slave One anymore. This is Boba Fett's starship. Michael Lee Stockwell, Lego Star Wars lead design, told the publication. His colleague Jens Kronvold Fredriksen... Lego Star Wars design director added, it's probably not something which has been announced publicly, but it is just something Disney doesn't want us to use anymore. Um, so we went from kind of <laughs> Danish 
to then Al Pacino. Uh, well, uh, finished in Al Pacino. <sighs> finished in Al Pacino, but in, in the middle was Sean Connery. <laughs> hey, Highlander, Juan Ramirez, Juan Domingo Ramirez, at your service. My ship will forever be called Slave One. <laughs> now, now you're just Swedish. <laughs> Richard Branson's um, left a bit of a teaser. Mm. What about? About his uh, Virgin Galactic. It's actually going to, now that they've fixed it. Astronaut 001. Fucking egomaniac. Why does he call himself Astronaut 001? Because uh, um, he's... Richard Branson. <laughs> I'll be evaluating the customer spaceflight experience. As the Virgin Galactic founder, I am so proud to have this remarkable crew of mission specialists and pilots by my side as we fly to... S- what? Crew? He sounds almost a bit like um, Happy Birthday, Hugh Janus guy. <laughs> Happy Birthday, Hugh Janus. Space. <laughs> I've always been a dreamer. My mum taught me to never give up and to reach for the stars. This July, our dream will become a reality. And we're really excited to share that moment with you all. And when we return, I will announce something very exciting to give more people the chance to become astronauts. Because space does belong to us all. So watch this space. So I'm going to allow 10 free places from the entire world's population. Golden ticket and special bars of chocolate. What did he sell? Did he not sell any food, Virgin? Doesn't do any food. Airplane food? Oh, yes, yeah, I suppose. Well, that's not really doing much at the moment, is it? Is that what, what we think? Is it going to be a lottery? Yeah. Maybe. It can be free places, and somehow you'll have to enter it, I guess, won't you? And they'll do, like, one free flight for... Would you go? No. <laughs> no. I know he would. He's an idiot. Yeah, I wouldn't go, no, because... Reckless know, idiot. Because they keep... <laughs> only, how many... Was it just one that blew up? One and, and a balloon <laughs> went missing. You remember um, yeah. <laughs> when you had the balloon thing? Steve yeah. Fawcett. No, the guy, the actual, he, he's gone, hasn't he? Him? He's, yeah. he's I was presumed dead. No one's found the body. No, I don't know. Maybe that was that was the guy who was trying to um, when he was trying to go around the world in a hot air balloon, wasn't he? Mm. Richard Branson, and then he <laughs> did, he managed it, didn't he? Steve Fawcett in the end, and then but then he did something else. That am I making that up? Yeah, were the rivals maybe? Yeah, they were rivals, weren't they? You'd go, Ben. Probably. If I could get the time off. Time off work. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell! Oh, my God. You'd have to fly to... Is it New Mexico? No. The, the um, spaceport? Cornwall. This one in Cornwall. Is it really? Yeah. I think you're making that up. Nope, I'm not. No. Then they launch from there. It's not a vertical launch. The um, I've looked into it. <laughs> Does it go off the back of a plane? It goes off it? the under, underside, I think, of a modified 747, yeah. Right. And it launches from Cornwall, top of Cornwall somewhere. It's got quite a long runway. Right, okay. That's all I know. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, imagine the amount, the, the tens, hundreds of billions, or not hundreds of billions, but maybe hundreds of millions, billions that he's invested in that. How's he going to get that money back? Is it satellite launches? <laughs> I think there's, he's got other um, spaceports, hasn't he? There is one in, in the desert. I know, because he yeah, had to get mothballed. I was reading something about that because of the thing blowing up. Um, moths have really tiny balls. <laughs> they do, yeah. Tiny mothballs. Something gets mothballed, it's like... That's what it means, isn't it? It just gets made really small. 
Like the size of mothballs. That's kind yeah. of eloquent in a way. Yeah. yeah. Well, shall we move on? Since you've, you've ruined mine and Ben's conversation. Just trying to be entertaining, you know. <sighs> Sue me. <laughs> Do you want to move on? Uh, yeah, we might as well, yeah. This is uh, Ben will like this. This is uh, a clip from uh, Thursday's No Agenda. Oh, yeah. Is it? One. Yeah, they were talking about their producers. Is it you again? No, it's not. No, it's one for Ben. Okay. <laughs> Um, but the other uh, one of the memes is to talk about dude's name Ben. Okay, right. Tend to be into like IT, cybersecurity, and that sort of thing. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. Truism. Yeah, we have tons of musicians. By the way, heavy correlation between dude's name Ben, software programmers, and musicians. Very yes, heavy, especially all nerdy bassists and uh, drummers <laughs> seem to do well with the a lot technology. Of nerds. They're nerds. <laughs> that, that nerds. That, Talents, talented people. Uh, that, uh, nerds doesn't. The, the definition of nerds does not preclude <laughs> talent. But but a nerd is it's. Yeah. Well, yeah, true. Pretty pretty true accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you'd enjoy that. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Did you suck any ding dongs? I never sucked any ding dongs. When you're in a band, that must be the end yeah, of the podcast because he's thrown his notes away. Let him. He's yeah, it. he's had enough. Stretch for time. It's uh, it's ten to eleven, nearly. Yeah, I know, man. I'm not gonna be a bit. I'm gonna be wired until one a.m. Now. <laughs> I know. What are you gonna do? Mike Oxlong. Mike <laughs> Oxlong. Oh, shit. Fuck. I might just. Li- I'm gonna have to listen to a podcast. So I might listen to another Malin Baker podcast. Um, it puts me to sleep. <laughs> you need to. You need to A B. You lent me some headphones last night. Because I had to walk home from your house after the football. Yeah. Um, dog shit. The worst <laughs> headphones. Is that why you send that message? Yeah, I sent you a, a, an Amazon link to the <laughs> headphones that I buy. But, but the thing is, is um, I told you that I've got um, tiny ear holes. Well, that's why I've brought you these to test. I can't wear those ones. Thank you. You've not even tried. After the same. Does someone know? <laughs> Shove him in. Just twist it. No, they're the same. These are, <laughs> Grab these his the, dick and twist it. These are the same shape as the ones, the Apple ones, and they just fall out. I've got a funny shape to ears. So no. I have to have those little tiny ones. Don't believe you. And the, <laughs> these ones look a bit dirty. Just put them in. Just put them in. What if he's got COVID on it? Oh, don't kill me, please. I, uh, I did disinfect them. With what? With... Um, a dirty flannel. <laughs> with, um, I disinfected them with... What's my favourite gun? Flaming cum! Oh, maybe, maybe it was... Feces. I can't remember now. There you go. See? What's wrong with them? They just... Absolutely nothing. When are you ever going to move your head that much? When I'm running. Running like this. Uh-huh. Running. I mean, what's what's the worst that can happen? Are two million people going to die? Two million people have to die. I can hear that on my neck. <laughs> yeah, that's good. What's wrong with my headphones? They're, they're terrible. They sound awful. They sound like ass. <laughs> I did. They, you know, they came free you know, with a work phone many years ago. Did though. they come free with a dessert spoon? What you need to do with the dessert spoon is put it in a bowl of warm water as well before you shove it up your ass. Can you not just do the carrots, my penis? Come on, come man. on, man! No? no, I think it's under P. Is it? I don't know. 
Yeah. I imagine the carrot was my penis. Come on. Oh! Right. Mm. Shall we execute order 69? Execute order 69, dudes! Do it. It's been, a, it's been good fun. Yeah. Yep. Pretty shabbling. Well, John McAfee didn't Epstein himself. Yeah. Thunder food open? Oh, shit. Because I believe I have an issue in this respect. How dare you? Jesus Christ. Happy birthday, Hugh Janus. Vegan sausage roll. You have no authority here, Jackie. I've been coming to terms with the fact that I am fucking vegan. Well, the thing is, what you do, you call between the devil and the rock at a half place. This is such a crock of species. Fuck off.